Time for Seafood News. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast, brought to you by Maine Lobster. The rocky coast of Maine is home to one of the most iconic and sustainable fisheries in the world. With 5,600 independent lobstermen from multi-generational families, the Maine lobster industry is committed to bringing sustainably harvest lobster from trap to table. To learn more about the industry's long history of sustainability, visit lobsterformaine.com. I'm news assistant Ryan Doyle. And I'm Erna Barry, seafood market reporter Lauren Castiglione. Thanks for joining us. In our top story of the day, we say goodbye to another North Atlantic right whale. No. This one's sad too because he's got a name and everything as well. Snake Eyes, a 40-year-old North Atlantic right whale, was found dead off the coast of Long Island, New York. Snake Eyes, named after two white scars in the front of his head, marks the ninth right whale death this year. Snake Eyes was spotted back in August and tangled in fishing gear in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Due to his age and frequent visits to mating areas, it is thought that he is one of the great fathers of the population. Philip Hamilton, a senior scientist at the New England Aquarium, told the Boston Globe that the death was a tragedy. Last week, researchers from the International Fund for Animal Welfare and the Center for Coastal Studies performed a necropsy. It is expected to take scientists some time to determine a cause of death, but entanglement is suspected. Currently, no more than 420 right whales remain, and only 90 of them are believed to be breeding females. Eight of this year's nine right whale deaths have taken place in Canadian waters this summer. The death off Long Island follows what was to be a meeting of the six New England states and the five eastern Canadian provinces to discuss the plight of the right whale. The state governors and provinces' premiers meet at least annually to discuss the regional issues related to the energy, trade, and the environment and infrastructure. The conference was scheduled September 8th through the 10th in New Brunswick, but was canceled due to Hurricane Dorian. Meanwhile, for the first time ever, the United States Trade Representative intends to seek environmental consultations with Korea under the Environmental Chapter of the U.S., Korea Free Trade Agreement, over illegal fishing. Meanwhile, for the first time ever, the United States Trade Representative intends to seek environmental consultations with Korea under the Environment Chapter of the U.S., Korea Free Trade Agreement, over illegal fishing. The request comes after the release of the U.S. National Marine Fisheries Service report to Congress identifying illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing. The NMFS found that South Korea was failing to apply sufficient sanctions to deter its vessels from engaging in fishing activities that violate conservation and management measures adopted by the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources. According to NMFS's report, a pair of Korean vessels set longline gear within 24 hours of a notified fishery closure. The U.S. said Korea took actions to address the violations of the two vessels, including forcing the vessels to port and suspending a fishing license and certification, but it did not charge the vessels or confiscate their illegal catch. Korea responded by saying that the prosecution of the two vessels was declined due to insufficient evidence that the violations of the two vessels were intentional. Korea's lack of catch documentation for toothfish also allowed for the illegal catch to enter the market. After consulting with the United States, Korea said that to address its deficiencies in combating illegal fishing, it will establish a new ministerial directive to implement a catch documentation for toothfish and plans to improve its administrative enforcement of cases involving vessels that have fished illegally, which the country plans to have in place in the latter half of 2019. The new rules will enable the Korean government to deprive violators of the economic benefit of their catch, even when they cannot be confiscated under Korean law. Meanwhile, Massachusetts lawmakers, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, sent a letter to U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer urging him to explore new markets for American lobster exports. 
The new markets could provide relief for lobstermen who are being impacted by the 25% tariffs placed on imported America lobster by China. The lawmaker's letter comes before a Joint Committee on Export Development Oversight hearing in the Massachusetts State House to analyze the repercussions of Chinese tariffs on the lobster industry. United States lobster exports to China are down more than 80% since June of 2018, which is reflected in losses reported by local Massachusetts lobster companies. Two businesses in the state were forced to stop operating, leaving more than 250 workers unemployed, and leaving the industry vulnerable to long-term decline and competition from Canada. In June 2018, in response to concerns from local officials, Senator Warren sent a letter to Ambassador Lighthizer in regards to the lobster industry expressing a need for new markets. In response, Lighthizer acknowledged the concerns and indicated that trade agreements with countries in Africa and Southeast Asia, along with the U.S. Department of Commerce's Foreign uh, Commercial Service, could aid in mitigating the loss of the Chinese market. Thanks, Lauren. Diversified Communications, the organizer of Seafood Expo Global, announced it will be moving the world's largest seafood exposition to Barcelona, Spain, beginning in 2021. Since 1993, Seafood Expo Global has taken place in Brussels, Belgium. Diversified Communications stated that the shift in location is due to the show's popularity, which has led it to outgrow Brussels. While the 2020 event will take place as scheduled in Brussels from April 21st to the 23rd, attendees are already being encouraged to book through the show block for 2021 in Barcelona. The 2021 edition of Seafood Expo Global is scheduled to take place April 27th to the 29th. The new venue features 200,000 square meters of floor space, eight exhibit halls, and over 40 restaurants. Now let's head over to Russia, where the Russian Federal Security Service has initiated a plan to toughen punishment for fish and crab poaching in its domestic territorial waters, following an attack from the crew of a North Korean trawler against the Russian Coast Guard. The attack, which led to traumas of at least three Russian Border Patrol agents, took place in the Sea of Japan during attempts to arrest the crew of the detained ship for poaching in Russian territorial waters. So far, the Russian Coast Guard and police have arrested about 160 North Korean fishermen on suspicion of poaching. As of Friday, the BBC reported that one of the detainees died due to injuries suffered while resisting arrest, according to a senior Russian border guard. The arrests, the attacks, and the increase in volume of poaching activities in Russia were noted as reasons for the FSB and the Russian government's plan to significantly tighten criminal responsibility for such activities. And as we've discussed a lot of serious topics so far, Lauren, can you give us the latest on the Pangasius market? Yes, to lighten the mood, yes. right? <laughs> <laughs> so in the wake of falling prices for Pangasius standard moisture frozen fillets, low moisture product remains steady for most of the year due to a much tighter supply within the market. Recently, however, prices on this low moisture product, which average about 84% moisture content, have begun to fall. In 2017, the average price difference between low moisture and standard moisture frozen fillets was about 20 cents. Beginning in March 2018, the price difference between the two products grew month over month, reaching $1.15 in August 2019. Currently, a 5 to 7 ounce standard moisture frozen fillet averages about $2.10 per pound, while the low moisture product of the same size is averaging $2.90 per pound. But check out the latest September issue of the Aquaculture Insiders Report coming out next week for much more insight. 
And finally, New Zealand Fisheries Minister Stuart Nash announced an ambitious partnership between the government and New Zealand's aquaculture industry to deliver economic growth and jobs as part of an overall aim to make aquaculture a $3 billion industry by 2035. Speaking at the New Zealand Aquaculture Conference, Nash congratulated the industry on its work to grow the sector and New Zealand's reputation for sustainable, healthy, and high-value products. He also released the government's strategy for the industry. The strategy focuses efforts on the development of sustainable open ocean and land-based farming, increasing farm efficiency, increasing product value and environmental performance in existing inshore farming, building resilience to environment change, and supporting the development and adoption of new technologies and practices to reduce the industry's contribution to waste and emissions. And that about does it for us. Once again, this podcast was brought to you by Maine Lobster. Learn more about the history and sustainability of the Maine lobster industry at lobsterfrommaine.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.